0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. And uh, one of the cool things that my wife and I have been talking about this year is we launched um, a new program or new mission at our church, kind of a ministry hub of our church. Uh, Really something the Lord put on our heart, things we want to begin to develop. Uh, called uh, Lo- We Love This City, Love This City. And so we want to uh, feed the city, we want to clothe the city, we want to uh, do foster the city, and we want to do prison ministry. And those are the four areas that we're super passionate about, we're going to start to build towards. One of the big areas that we saw is that we realized that 83% a statistics just came out and said 83% of Canadians are struggling even to put food in their cupboards. And so my wife and I was like, honey, let's do something about this. It's a great opportunity. Let's start to get some food. And then my wife contacted um, Kelly here, and uh, he said, hey, and we said, how can we help? And he said, so in June, we're going to collect food for all the people in our region, but we're going to be able to provide uh, food for people who are just like you and me, who may be struggling in this season, who need a leg up. And so I think that's pretty awesome. And so, you know, it's pretty amazing. You know, we, we give uh, 10% of everything we receive from the church um, away. We give 10% of the way and then we save another 10%. So, 20% of our finances that come into Love City Church, 10% of it we put into savings just to be able to uh, obviously go towards a church building in the future, but also just to help whenever God wants us to help. 10% of that goes to our missions and world compassion and our church plant in Italy and hope mission and then also to our Love the City. So, I think so. Awesome. Before I get into the word today, which I just really felt there's a grace upon this message today. I I was struggling this week, and as I preached it for the first service, I knew that this was a, a series for the church. But before we do, um, there's a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. First and foremost, our dear friends, Vince and Justine Paul, had their little sweetheart, Madison, this week. And we got to go and pray with her yesterday and hold her, and she's just like Brea. She likes to be held like a football, so I was holding her with her little, my hand here in her little head, and she fell asleep. And I have the gift of children asleep. And so... Um, so when you have children, bring them to me, uh, just not while I'm preaching, that'd be nice. Uh, but we got to pray with them. And so we're so proud of you. I don't know what service you guys are watching, but come on, congratulations. And we're so happy. Uh, They're so happy to get back to church. She says, we'll be there next week, even though she has to be bedridden for about six weeks, Justine. So we're praying for them. Uh, she had to have C-section and, uh, you know, the Lord was with them. And, uh, you know, the little umbilical cord was wrapped around that little girl's neck and just a huge, kind of a scary moment. But she's here, she's beautiful, she's sweet, and so I know that their Sundance group's going to take care of them. That's pretty cool. Uh, Secondly, something happened this week. My wife and I met with our landlord, Joy, who is very wonderful, and Joy never calls a meeting, ever. She is always us calling a meeting. And uh, over our five-year celebration, we were here on Saturday night, and we didn't know this, but all the alarms were going off. And so all of the personnel at at Cardell were getting emails and text messages saying, someone's... uh, breaking into your building and stealing all of your stuff, and so during the church, she's calling me, and I wasn't answering it because we had a kind of a big day, and I was just kind of ignoring her. Sorry, Joy, if you're watching, but my wife oh, had to take care of it, and so we, she called a meeting. We thought, oh, crap, we're, we're in trouble. Pardon my French. Sorry for those of you kids. Don't say the word crap, okay? Uh, crap's not a good word. Don't say it, okay? Um, but uh, so we went to her, and we met with her, and we sat down, and she was kind of, you know, normal joy, being all nice, whatever, and just chit-chatting, and she had a little piece of paper in her hand, and she kept waving the paper around, and so she's like, you know, um, we're like, okay, here we go. She's like, we're gonna have to double our rent, or she's gonna kick us out. She sits down, and she just says, I just want you to know that I met with the board of Cardell, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go, and she goes, and um, I just want you to know that the board loves you, And they want to lower your rent. I was like, what? Now, we pay $1,500 a month. $1,500 a month for all of that. And they want to lower our rent. That's called the favor of God. And that's what that says to me. The Lord wants us here. And we might be, we're searching for a building. We're getting our finances in order. We're we're visiting a, a bank. We're changing our, we're doing all the due diligence. But we believe the Lord has us here for a purpose. And so the cloud hasn't moved, the fire hasn't moved, our tents are set up and we're gonna stay set up here. With that, there's some things that I've been feeling in my heart. Uh, my wife and I have been talking for a, a while. Thank God the restrictions have lifted, amen? So now the, the government says COVID's over, and now it's over. So here we go. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, um, don't write me an email. I'm just kidding, I'm just joking. Um, so we know that the restrictions have ended and um, you know, I, I'm sure every one of us was impacted by COVID. I wanna first say a huge thank you Thank you for uh, going on the journey with us over the last two years. Thank you. I know that I have gotten this wrong more than I've gotten it right. I know as your pastor, there's times when I should have go, said, go left, and I went right. There's times when I should have made an announcement, and I didn't. There's times when I should have enforced, when I didn't. And so I, I didn't get everything right. So I want to say thank you for not bailing on me here. Stay in the journey with us. God has done something great in our church over COVID. Our church thrived. Our finances from between 2022 and 2021 went up 10%. From, from last year to this year so far, we've seen a 60% increase in finances. Now, I'm not, we don't take an offering. We don't beg for your money. Why? Because we know that if you're obedient to God, it's between you and the Holy Spirit. You're being obedient to God. I'm being obedient to God. He's going to take care of his church. Amen? Come on, we've seen people added to the church. We've had people in this room who started coming to the church uh, during this season. We've had water baptism and salvations. We've launched to love love the city. Foster the city is our first one that we've started with. We've raised money and sent money. We've we've done also we've launched a new group and started another group. Like we've done so God's done so many great things over this last two years. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Thank you for those who are online who stayed the course with us. Thank you. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. If God wants to bless our church when we can't meet, imagine when we can. If God wants to grow our church and add to our church when we're struggling with 40 people in the room and doing 1,000 services, like if God wants to bless our church when nothing should be blessed, I know of churches that have shut down. I know of churches that have fired staff. We didn't have to fire staff. In fact, we gave our staff a raise during COVID. (laughs) As he walks out. God is good. When you build a healthy church, you don't need to do much other than just keep Jesus the center, keep preaching the Bible, and keep showing up. And if we keep showing up and we keep doing what we're doing, God's going to continue to move in our midst. And so... Uh, with that, God's been speaking to our hearts about when we originally came to Cardell Theater two years ago, in 2020 of March. That's how long we've been here. Wow. We wanted to uh, gather everyone together. And uh, on, on, um, on uh, our five-year celebration, we sat in this room. And if you were here, the place was packed. And it felt good. There was energy in the room. The worship was banging. It was just like, whoa, God is here. Sorry, was that me or the mic? Oh, hallelujah. It's a demon. <laughs> Curtis, I need you to put oil on this mic, brother. I won't yell anymore, I promise. Uh, we, we, man, God was just, it was just powerful. It was like, whoa. And I, I walked away from that weekend and just began to sense, Lord, just we, if we're going to, if the cloud is not going to move and the fire is gonna, not going to move, we need to make an, imp, you know, continue to, but now we have an opportunity to make an impact in this community. We weren't really able to. We couldn't promote ourselves. We tried. It didn't work. We, you know, it was just challenging season. But now the restrictions are off. It's, it's all, all in. Like, let's go for it. Let's reach the people in Quarry Park until the Lord moves us to another community, if he ever does. And so before Easter, we're going to send out flyers. We're going to do promotions. But one of the big things my wife and I and the, the, the eldership team have felt we need to do is we feel like we need to move to one service. We feel like we need to gather everyone in the room together. We need to, to start on a, where we're all together in the house. The goal would be this room seats about 150. It's called the 80% rule. So the moment you have over 125, you, people start to feel uncomfortable. And so we're gonna have, our goal is to have 125 adults in this room. And then we'll have an overflow room for 25, 30 people. In this room, uh, there'll be people out there. There'll be times of prayer. It'll be just like in here. But in order to come not be in the overflow room, you got to come to church on time. Hallelujah. Did you hear me? You guys have an illness. You're late to church. You know, we're here at like 11 o'clock worshiping, Right? We're starting with no one in the room. God bless our worship leaders, amen. They're like, okay, everyone stand up. And it's me, I'm looking around. (laughs) But we decided that we wanna go to one service. And we feel like what this is gonna do is just gonna just give us some momentum. We haven't been able to do it. We haven't been able to do it because of COVID. So we're like, we wanna get everyone in the room. We wanna pack this place out. We want to get, you know, just to continue to increase energy in the room, and so we're super excited about that, and so we're going to launch this on April 3rd, just a few weeks before Easter to get ourselves kind of kinks figured out, but one of the big reasons we're doing this, just a few reasons. Number one, man, our teams have been stretched. Our kids' ministry has been stretched. We, we have needed more people to join our teams, and I love the fact that you guys love coming to church and being here, and it's great, but we need you to join a team. And, but what this is going to do is it's going to help strengthen our teams because many of you have been serving nonstop two services for the last two and a half years. And so we want to give our, our uh, be more uh, consistent with our teams. We want to create more space for people to join a team. We have a system where it's a week one, week two system where you could serve once a month or twice a month on a week one or week two. And then if you're on the other team, you're week three or you're week four. And you're with that same team. And so we want to create opportunities for our volunteers to, uh, to be able to do that. We, we'll be out of here by, uh, by 12 o'clock or before that, obviously, praise God. Um, and so uh, there's just an opportunity for us to really get together and uh, join together as one. And when we reach 125, 25 out there, then we'll launch another service. So who knows what God's up to? Our church grows in the summer. Get ready. Our church is going to grow uh, and continue to grow. Amen. And so we've decided uh, that we're going to move the time to 10 o'clock. So for those of you who are at 11, that's a little bit of a step back. For those at 9.30, it's a little bit of a step forward, obviously. What we're going to do is we're going to try out our 10 o'clock time frame and just see how it goes. And my prayer is that everyone will dial into it and it'll be great. Um, Obviously, we're at the 11 o'clock service today, so I'm sure some of you might have different perspective on that. You're welcome to send me a kind email and say, hey, I prefer this, but let me ask you a favor. Will you just give us a chance to figure this out? don't make an assumption yet. Every time you make a change, it takes about six weeks before it starts to feel normal. So it might take you a few weeks just to feel like, oh, this is a little frustrating or oh man, this is great or maybe it's not great for you. But just give us a few weeks to figure it out. Make the commitment to come at that time. And then after six weeks, hell still falling apart in your life, you let us know over email and we will just take into consideration the eldership team, uh, whether we like that time or another time better. So... We believe God is up to something great. The best is yet to come. More lost people, more disciples, more families, more young people, more young adults, because we need to get some of our young adults married in the name of Jesus. Come on, more old folks. Come on now. Come on, more, more people my, my mother-in-law's age. Hallelujah, Anna. Boy, she's 52, 42. Is that better? Now, we want to see all generations in our church. And we, we, we've weathered COVID well. But now we're coming into a great season where we get to do church and, and get out our hands and feet out into the city and just begin to do more uh, now that these things have lifted. Amen? Amen. So come on, how, many feel, how do you feel about this? Come on, you feel like it's a good thing? It's going to be great. So um, there'll be some other things coming up, some changes shifting up that I'm going to bring to your attention here over the next few weeks. Lead team and the elders team are going to figure some things out before we announce it. But I want you to know God is up to something great in our church. And what we're going to be doing for the next, um, for the next uh, 10 weeks, I decided just to go for it, 10 weeks, we're going to spend time uh, in the book of Colossians. What I'm going to try to do today is I want to give you the big idea for the whole book. So as I begin to study it, I begin to realize that the purpose of the book of Colossians is about the greatness of Jesus, about looking at the greatness of Jesus. And what I begin to study this book and begin to realize that what this book is really doing is... It's helping us understand what it really means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And that when you give your life to Jesus, when you give your life to Christ, he found you, he came and met you. When you give your life to Jesus, you are now entering as a new creation into a new kingdom. That new creation in your life, that new kingdom in your life should transform your life. It should change your life. It should change your marriage. It should change how you think and act. It should change you. And what's happened in the the church of Colossus is that they accepted Jesus, but they were beginning to overcomplicate it and they're beginning to add all sorts of variations to the gospel message. And they went from a simple gospel, a simple resurrection power changing their life to overcomplicating it where they begin to draw away from the original intention of their faith. They begin to grow stale in their faith and they became religious. And so what we're going to talk about for the next 10 weeks, uh, we're going to take a break from Mother's Day, we're going to take a break for uh, Generation Sunday, that's why it's 10 weeks. Uh, We're we're going to talk about the idea that through this book, Paul is trying to bring the people of Colossus back to the, the, the simple message that Jesus Christ is supreme and sufficient for all that we don't need other things in our lives. We don't need deeper knowledge. We don't need a deeper revelation. We don't need to go and find deeper miracles. Jesus and Jesus alone is all that you need. You need the cross and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's all we need to live the life that God wants us to live. The challenge with that is when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, immediately becomes head knowledge. If we're not careful... Our journey with Jesus becomes about what we know about God rather than how God is impacting our life. It goes to a head knowledge and not a life transformation. And so Paul was recognizing, and we'll get into this idea here today, that what was happening to the church is they were becoming a church of head knowledge. They were becoming a church of deeper revelation. They were becoming a church that was searching for more because Jesus was no longer enough for them. They no longer... Realized and accepted that the power of salvation had had the ability and the strength to transform their lives. They no longer were able to accept that I don't need to do anything else to be in God's good favor, that God loves me, he doesn't change, God is good, his goodness is good, God is absolutely and altogether good, and everything that I need in my life, I can find in him. When we don't believe that, we begin to search elsewhere, and our relationship with God begins to decrease in passion, in mercy, in grace, And Paul is wanting to bring them back to the simplicity of this. Our Jesus is great. And when God is great in your life, it transforms your life. So the book was written, this letter was written to a people in Colossus. Colossus was written around 60 AD by a man named Paul. And he wrote this book. Uh, He actually had never met these people. He actually didn't plant this church. The one who planted this church, his name was Epaphras, And Epaphras planted this church, and uh, he was a convert out of the church of Ephesus that Paul planted. And Epaphras, was, which I believe God's called us to do one day, send out many churches, hundreds of churches, God willing. And so he, Ephesians church sent out this church, Epaphras, to go to the city of Colossus to plant this church. And so Paul had never actually met these people. He had never been to this church. He didn't, had never met them personally. But Epaphras, after he had planted the church, went, went to visit uh, Paul in Rome. Paul had been thrown in jail as he was waiting to uh, visit with uh, Caesar. He was in jail. Uh, and he was actually uh, in prison, in chains. Uh, it was uh, house arrest, but even still he was in jail. And Epaphras went to visit him because he wanted to bring report to his spiritual dad, his spiritual father, let him know how the church was going. Not only did he want to let him know how the church was going, but he also wanted to to, to let Paul know that there were some, some things that were happening in the church. There were some people beginning to teach things in the church that was not the gospel. There were things that they were beginning to embrace and accept that wasn't the original message that they had believed, and he didn't know what to do. And so Paul, on behalf of Epaphras, wrote a letter to the church of Colossus. Not only that, which is fascinating, he also wrote this letter so that they would be read in the church of Laodicea. Now that's important because there's a reason why Paul wrote this letter to the church of Colossus and the church of Laodicea. He wrote this letter and what Epaphras was identifying is that these people in this church were not Jews. They were not people who were Judaizers. They were not people who were Israelites who had followed the way of Yahweh their entire life and they were doing the law. These were, were, were people who were Gentiles, unless you're a Jew in the, here today, like us. They were people who had no idea of the reality of God. We are serving other gods and doing other things and we heard the message of Jesus Christ and we heard that Jesus was the Messiah, that God chose to, 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 to come down in human form, in the form of Jesus Christ, walked a sinless life as a high percent man, was crucified, a murderer's death, was buried in the grave and rose on the third day just like he said that he would, ascended at the right hand of the Father and now rules over all and reigns over all. They heard the message of Jesus Christ that they can now have eternal life forevermore because of their relationship with Jesus. Their lives can be transformed. Their marriages can be transformed. Their hearts can be made new. God can do something in their life. They accepted this message but what happened was is that people begin to come into the church and say this, that is not enough. That message is not enough. You can't just simply believe by faith that Jesus loves you even though you've done all these things wrong. You've got to add to it. You've got to seek the, the, the idea of seeking deeper knowledge. You've got to have more of an encounter. You've got to go to more conferences. You've got to pursue more angelic uh, visitations. You've got to have more visions and more revelations and do more things. Those are the ways that you can have a relationship and a higher level of understanding with God. There's no way that it's this simple for simple people No, the idea of God is for the elite, for the bigger thinkers, for the intellectualizers, for the philosophers of this age. And what they begin to believe is that Jesus wasn't enough. Jesus wasn't enough for their journey. Jesus wasn't enough for their walk with Him. And Paul addressed this, this danger. And I'm going to just give you three, kind of help you understand what Paul's writing to three specific kind of nuances that they identify in this book. The first one is just Jewish legalism. They begin to recognize that Jews who, ha- who were watching these people become Christians. They began to say, no, no, no. And Paul wrote a whole book of the book of Galatians, and they said, no, no, no. They said, you can't just believe in faith. You've got to actually celebrate the new moon festivals. And there's churches today that believe that we're supposed to still follow through with all of the feasts. And you're supposed to, you know, the Sabbath is a holy day. And I believe the Sabbath is a spiritually holy day. But listen, if we don't meet a church on Sunday, you're not going to go to hell. Jesus is the Sabbath. We just continue this practice because it works and it's, it's what's done, been done throughout history. But we don't meet on Sunday because it's a Jewish law. We went on Sunday because it's a great day to meet and they did it throughout history. But we don't believe that today is a Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. On, and what we would see throughout this teaching is that they begin to come in. Look at this in Colossians chapter 2. So don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink or for, for not celebrating Jewish holidays and feasts or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for they were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came. They were only shadows of the real thing of Christ himself. All this time, you were practicing all of these ritualistic things for the Mosaic law, but what happened was is that all these time, you were doing all these religious things, but when Jesus came, you no longer had to do those things because it was all fulfilled through Christ. Now, the Jewish of Jewish descent, it was worked into their culture and their life. And so for them to follow those ritualistic things wasn't necessarily a wrong thing because they grew up in that culture. The challenge was they were coming into Gentile Christians like you and me and saying, now you have to follow these rituals of the Jewish nation. Now you have to follow these things. Now you have to make sure that if you don't read your Bible every day, God's going to be mad at you. Now you better give all your money or God's going to be mad at you or you better go to church or God. Going to be mad at you, or you better dress a certain way, or God's going to be mad at you, or you better not eat a certain thing or God's going to be mad at you, or you better look holy, or God's going to be mad at you. See, what we realize is that God's love was poured out for all mankind, and that His righteousness covers all of our sin. And we don't do any of those things because God will be mad at us, mad at us. We do those things because we love Jesus. I read my Bible because I want to know Jesus. I go to church because I want to know about Jesus. I give my money because Jesus put it on my heart to give and I'm being obedient to his word. I do these things not out of ritualistic ideology, but I do them out of a personal relationship with the living God. And so there was this idea that they were beginning to teach this, this idea. The big idea here is just that was the more they did these ritualistic things, the more spiritual they were, the more holy they were, and ultimately, it meant that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. The second thing we see is an oriental mysticism. This idea here is found in Colossians chapter 2. This is hyper-spirituality. This is this idea that you and I will have, we need to get a deeper revelation. This is so permeating our churches today where we need a deeper revelation or we need another experience or we need another miracle or we need another moment or I need a, another conference or I need a we go to drive all over the world to go experience these spiritual experiences because when I experience them I just I'm closer to God I know God more no Jesus is enough his word is enough his presence is enough you don't have to go to Toronto or to Bethel or to some other place to experience God. Guess what? The same Jesus lives in Calgary as lives in Bethel. You can have Jesus right now today by reading your word, spending time in the presence of God. You say, well, Ryan, I'm not feeling it today. Well, you lift your darn hands and worship the Lord. Because it ain't about us and our emotional experience. And this, sorry, I'm a little honest today. Woo. Second service, I'll tone it down. How about that? I only have four more weeks to do that. So (laughs) Colossians 2, look what he says. Don't let anyone declare you lost when you refuse to worship angels. So they were being taught to worship angels because when they worship angels, they were given a deeper revelation, a deeper knowledge. And when you have this deeper knowledge, it's called Gnosticism. When you have a deeper knowledge, then what happens is I'm closer to God and I'm better than you. There's a lot of teachers across the world right now who are, who are making the, the, their sermons and their services and their churches about them teaching you to look to them or to look to their works instead of looking to Jesus. We should never attach a relationship with God to a human. We attach our relationship with God to Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So we see, look what it says. You have, they have seen a vision, they say. And and no, you should too. These proud men, though they claim to be so humble, have a very clever imagination. But they are not connected to Christ the head to which all of us who are a body are joined. And so there was this idea that if we have a high, the big idea here is that, that we have higher revelation, new revelation. If I go here, if I read this book, how, can I interpret this thing? Can I get this angel? I'm telling you, that is not biblical. That is not the gospel. And as your pastor, I'm telling you, shut the YouTube channel off. that encourages that. Everything that you need is every revelation, all knowledge, all understanding comes to the person of Jesus Christ. If Jesus wants to reveal something to you, guess what? Jesus is going to reveal something to you. But if you don't read this and you don't talk to him, why would he reveal himself to you? We've got to get it in the Word. We recognize that all. Rev- Jesus, the Holy Spirit, gives us revelation. All revelation that you need is right here. You don't need to run to a conference. You don't need to run to a pastor. You don't need to run overseas. You don't need to run to a thing or subscribe to a thing or pay two hundred ninety nine dollars a month so that you can hear how to hear God better through the revelation of an angel Amos, whatever his name is, or angel Amelia, or that's no, Amelia, your kid, not your kid, another kid. That's the only name that came to my mind. All, all of it's found right here. And Paul was trying to bring them back to this simplicity. The third one is that there was a Greek self-denial. It was an unnecessary attempt for holiness. But they are not connected to Christ, the head to which all of us who are his body are joined. Oh, I'm sorry. Switch the scripture here. Since you died, as it were, with Christ, and this has set you free from following the world's ideas of how to be saved by doing good and obeying various rules, why do you keep right on following them anyway, still bound by such rules as not eating, tasting, or even touching certain foods? Such rules are mere human teachings, for food was made to be eaten, praise God, and used up. Hallelujah. Pastor Ryan, you're not supposed to eat pork. Well, the Bible says I can eat whatever the heck I want. The Bible says I'm not supposed to do that. Or the, this person, this pastor says I'm not allowed to eat that certain food. Well, the Bible says I can. I mean, obviously, you want to be wise and not you know eat Twinkies all day, you know. But we see here that these rules may seem good. For rules of this kind require strong devotion and are humiliating and hard on the body, but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. They only make him proud. It's this, this beating and buffeting of my body that it, the whole heart of it is that I want to look holy, but not be holy. I want to have the appearance of a Christian. I want to have the appearance of, oh, I fasted for 30. Well, that's good. Did Jesus? What did Jesus speak to you? Well, he didn't speak anything to me. I just fasted. We want to look the part, have the form of godliness, but deny its power. And so here were people in the scripture. And the big idea of this one is that these people would have an external appearance of holiness. And so what what, what Paul says is is that he says, Don't let anyone capture you with these empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather from Christ. He calls these ideas hollow and deceptive. See, our church should be about one thing, Jesus, because all revelation and all knowledge and all understanding, everything in scripture points back to one thing. Guess what it does? It points back to Jesus. Every teaching, every thought, every idea, every scripture, every word come back to Jesus. You say, Ryan, what about this in scripture? It comes back to Jesus. What about this idea in scripture? It comes back to Jesus. Everything in the word of God, Everything, as a follower of Jesus, comes back to Jesus. So if we're trying to get away from Jesus, trying to go another direction, it's not true gospel teaching. And Paul was trying to adjust them in this way because they had a defective understanding and a defective view of the original message of Jesus Christ. They were overcomplicating the message. Jesus was no longer enough for them. And we see it's interesting because actually in the book of John, he wrote a letter to the seven churches of Asia. And one of those churches was the church of Laodicea. And Paul wrote this letter to the church of Laodicea because something, the, the result of allowing these things, that Jesus not being enough, is this in Revelation chapter three. I know all the things you do, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. Jesus says, I wish that you either didn't accept me or you fully accepted me. But being lukewarm in the middle, this is what happens when we search for other things other than Jesus, is we get lukewarm in our faith. And then he wrote the same letter to Paul uh, in the book of Galatians. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised or doing the law or trying to find a deeper spiritual knowledge, you must obey every regulation written in the law. Look what he says. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, look at this, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from what? God's grace. So what Paul is trying to do is trying to help you understand that if your attention and your focus remains to be on knowing Jesus, if you continue to try to understand who Jesus is and the knowledge of God continues to grow in your life, guess what happens? God begins to transform every area of your life. Evidence that he's not transforming your life is that we search elsewhere for a spiritual encounter. We search elsewhere for God's word. We search elsewhere for revelation rather than the word of God, rather than Jesus, rather than being in, in a healthy community where you're sharing ideas with one another and hearing the word of God and sharpening one another. We're isolated and alone Thing I heard from God. Did you hear from God? Does the word confirm you heard from God? Does your community confirm that you heard from God? Because all revelation comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so what Paul is wanting us to understand is that these people stopped growing in their knowledge and their understanding of Christ. And I, I, as we end our time here, I'm, I'm going a little over here. I want to just read two last verses for you uh, because of our time. Paul wrote in uh, chapter 1 of, 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 uh, of Colossians. He, he talked to them as he started this chapter. He addressed this one issue. And if you remember, back in the Garden of Eden, you know this already, Adam and Eve were given two choices. They could either choose to find everything that they needed through Christ, or they could choose what? The tree of what? Knowledge. They can choose to have everything in Christ. The simple message of God, the gospel, that faith in Jesus Christ is by grace and grace alone. That I don't have to do anything else for God to love me. He loves me completely right now. That he loves me just the way that I am that every single day that when I the guilt and conviction of my life, that's not the Lord. The Lord comes and he'll convict you to change you, to transform you, to make you better, to adjust you. But the guilt and you shame that I'm not good enough and I, I don't deserve it. And I, of course you don't, that's called grace. And so when we don't deserve it, what we do is we sabotage ourselves. We start trying to make ourselves deserve it by doing more and giving more and sacrificing more, or we just engage completely. And what Paul was trying to help everyone understand is that in the scripture in Colossians chapter one, look what he says. And I'm gonna have to jump into the middle of it here and I'll point it out on the screen here. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God, look at this, to fill you with what? Knowledge of his will through what? All the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. He says, all understanding and all knowledge and all spiritual encounters that you're searching for, absolutely come through the Holy Spirit. They come through Jesus Christ. They are revealed to you through that. And it says, so that, look at this, when you experience a revelation and a knowledge that Jesus Christ is the supreme overall, that Jesus Christ is sufficient, that Jesus Christ is the answer for all of your problems, that Jesus Christ is your comforter, and that Jesus Christ can help you, and that Jesus Christ is God, and that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that Jesus Christ was perfect on the earth, walked a sinless life, and he died died a a sinless death and he was crucified for you and for me that you and I can live an abundant life right now on this earth. That we can overcome the powers of darkness. That we can endure through temptation. That we can endure through suffering and hardship. That my marriage can be restored through Christ. That my life can be restored through Christ. My hope of the glory of God is renewed in me and what happens is he begins to give you revelation in your life so that you may live a life that is worthy unto the Lord that you may live a life that pleases the Lord, that you may bear fruit in every good work growing in the what? Knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And then he finalizes this and we'll jump into this next week with this. And let me just, let me read this last scripture to you and then I'm gonna let you go today. In Colossians chapter two, look what it says. I actually don't even have these on my slides, so it's okay, the Lord knows. (laughs) What it says in that last scripture is this, is that you and I must not depart from our faith. We must remain steadfast, that you must not waver. Paul knew that the potential for you to waver from your faith was real. I want you to hear me today. We do not believe in the security of your salvation, meaning this, just because you gave your life to Jesus once doesn't mean you'll end the journey with Christ. It's a daily decision to say, I'm not going to allow the philosophies of this world, the teachings that are not scriptural. I will not overcomplicate the beautiful message of Jesus Christ. You guys can go ahead and start playing. I will not confuse or overcomplicate the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus chose you that he found you, that he redeemed you. It was not because of anything that you did. He loves you. He accepts you. He cares for you. He wants a relationship with you. And nothing that you do will ever be able to deserve it. So we must stop overcomplicating the gospel because if we do, you will grow lukewarm. You will be cut off from the grace of Jesus Christ. You will fall away from your faith and find yourself in a journey where you're... from God. What Paul's wanting to do is say, guess what? Jesus chose you. He called you. He pulled you forward. He he anointed you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be in a personal relationship with you today. What he wants to do is he wants you to go from lukewarm to hot. He wants you to go from pursuing all these other exciting things and just stay focused on the beautiful realities of Jesus Christ. And when you understand fully the reality of who Jesus is, you will never, ever fade away. When you understand the greatness of Jesus, you will never turn away from your faith. When you understand the realities of Christ, your every day will be full with the joy and the grace and the mercy of God every single day experiencing the power of Jesus Christ. We need to go back and rediscover who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to do for the next 10 months. My prayer would be is that you go from lukewarm to passionate. You would go from out of grace to into grace. That you go back to a place where you are passionately in love with Jesus Christ once again. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for you today. While you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe you say, Ryan, I need you really to dedicate my heart to him. want to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to put a slide on the screen today. Joel, you can put that up for me. You just text the word Jesus to this number, and we'd love to get to know know you and walk you through that journey. It'll pop up on the screen in a second, and Joel will help us with that. Come on, let me pray for you. Because of our time, I'm going to release you today. The band's going to keep playing. So if you want prayer, you can come down while the band sings this last song. Uh, You can come down and get prayer if you need prayer today. But come on, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, it's very simple. You just make a confession of faith in him. Jesus, I believe in you, and I need you in my life. I need you to come and transform me today. And that's you. All you have to do It's between you and God, not between you and me. You just make that personal confession to him. But you got to let somebody know. And so once this pops up on the screen, you can text Jesus to that number and uh, let me pray for you today. Father, we just say thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your power in our lives. Thank you, God, that you are above all and in all, God. As we go today, I pray that your grace and your mercy would fill every heart today. We love you. We give our hearts back to you, Jesus. We recommit ourselves back to you today. And for every person that's feeling broken or lost or lukewarm today, Father, very simply, they just need to turn to you, Father, repent of their sin and turn to you, and you begin a new journey with them, Father. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody, said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.